and welcome back to Jake's World, episode 63 of Jake's World, presented by the Nuance Magazine. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is Wednesday, April 7th, 2021. Probably going to be a heavier uh, sports show this time around, seen as there's really, I don't know, it's just kind of feel like I'm in a rut last couple of weeks, right? Um, of course, it was a March Madness tourney. It was awesome. Uh, baseball started. It was awesome. Except the Cubs lost. Opening day, that pissed me off. And, I mean, things are just kind of rolling along. I mean, news has been a little quieter. All that mumbo-jumbo, right? Whatever, whatever. Yada, yada. But... Big national title game to break down in the final four rounds. Break down. And we'll see. Oh, Deshaun Watson news. Talk about that. It's getting a little, little weird. But let's get into it. So, Saturday was the final four games. Of course, game one was uh, Houston in Baylor, the Battle of Texas. Later that day, it was Gonzaga, UCLA. What was probably the best game of the season. But let's get into it. It's kind of weird talking about it. Seen as I'm talking about these games. Knowing full well what happened. Like after. You know, it happened Monday night. It's kind of weird going back back and talking about them um, two days later but um I was uh, leading up to the week you know trying to think about what picks to make this weekend or last weekend for gambling right and um, lines were both set or one line was set at 145 I just combined the two Baylor and Houston game Line was set at Baylor minus four and a half. And then Gonzaga was minus 14 and a half. Put them together. There you go. Um, I was all over the Baylor and the spread. Gonzaga wasn't so sure. I was kind of like, I don't know, UCLA has been covering so well the entire time, but Gonzaga's really good. I didn't think UCLA was that good, but McCronin's a wizard. And it was like, I was kind of back and forth on that one. But I knew Baylor, they were going to win handily. And that, they did. Um, I mean, kind of beating a dead horse now. Because, I mean, I've probably talked about it on every show since the tournament started. Houston was really athletic. Super athletic, but not very talented to me anyways. I mean, they outworked most of the teams they played. They rebounded very well on offense. And rebounding rebounding, rebounding is very, uh, it's a hustle stat, if you ask me, right? You got to work for rebounds. It's about getting position, getting into position. And that takes effort to do. And... You rebound more when you miss more shots. It kind of goes hand in hand. That was the case, right? It was so weird because 
That was kind of the narrative that was established all week about, you know, this first slate of Saturday basketball. It was if Baylor has any trouble rebounding, Houston's going to give them a run for their money. And Baylor typically does have trouble rebounding. And the first possession of the game was Houston do get three offensive rebound and, you know, get a put-back basket. They're up 2-0. That was the only time that they would leap. That game was brutal to watch. Brutal. I think it was like seven or like twenty-two to forty-five at halftime. Like it literally, or maybe no, it might have been that bad. I don't remember the halftime score. I was kind of in and out of paying attention to that game, but it was bad. That game was never close. And yeah, I remember how everyone was like, "Ah, Houston's kind of good." I was right. They they weren't that good. When you can't score. You can't play defense, given that's a tall task against who they were playing against. It's just not going to go well. And, I mean, it was pretty embarrassing for the odds makers to set that line at four and a half when I think they covered that spread four times over. So, that was a big Jimbo. But um, the Gonzaga game, what a game. 14.5 point favorites against UCLA, and they end up taking them to overtime. And it's it's amazing because, like, it's, it's hard to not marvel at the accomplishments of both of these teams this season, right? You have one team, Gonzaga. At the time, they were 29 and 0. They won all but one of their games up to that point by double digits. And they are tasked with covering 25-30 point spreads every time they play, for the most part. 14.5 looks like no problem. Then here comes UCLA. They're an 11 seed. They're kind of written off. Are they really that good? No, but they're very, very well coached. And McCronin's got them playing great team basketball. Tournament time, they beat Michigan State. They beat BYU. They beat um, Abilene Christian. They beat... um, Who was the Elite Eight game they played? (sighs) Shit. Um, Oh, Alabama. And they beat Michigan. All right. Why not keep winning? And that's exactly what they try to do. It's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know, they go to overtime. They hit that layup right as time is about to expire. You know, to end the game. And Jalen Suggs gets the inbound, and then it he throws up a deep three, banks it in, and it's all over. Talk about having your heart ripped out of your chest if you're UCLA, like. You almost beat the most dominant team in recent memory. I mean, Kentucky's dominance is up there. Um, who's that really? I think UNLV in like the early 90s scored like 110 points a game, something crazy like that. I mean, Gonzaga wasn't that dominant, but the record showed it, right? It was crazy 
that that 11 seed was even hanging around with them, right? And here's, I'm not really sure how McCrona was game planning this, but here's what I kind of deduced from this game, right? The final score was 93 to 90. And you're probably thinking, well, how did Gonzaga not play defense? Well, I think they did, or they tried to. Here is what it seems like to me. Gonzaga is the most efficient offense in the country. They scored 92 points a game. 92 points a game. What is your first instinct as an opposing coach? We got to slow the game down. We can't let them score. Hmm. How has that worked out? You lose by 30. Right? Well... Okay. It's not an easy task, of course, but here's the thing. I think what Cronin tried to do is like, you know, we're not expected to win. Slowing the game down hasn't worked for anybody else and it doesn't really work for us. Why don't we just try to play with them? And I think that took him back a little took Gonzaga aback a little bit, right? If you watch the games, they're not terrific defensively, but they don't have to be. See, that's the disadvantage of playing in a mid-major conference. I mean, given they do schedule some pretty good out-of-conference games, they were supposed to play Baylor early on in the season. That got canceled due to COVID. But they don't have to play defense because they're so good on offense. So good on offense. And UCLA was like, fine. Try to stop us. And... I mean, that's what happens when you have a, a conce- like a, a decisive effort to go keep up with them. You can. So, I mean, it was definitely the best game of the year. I mean, the championship game wasn't even as good, clearly. But um, it's also very strange that transition into the championship game. How, you know, Gonzaga is always kind of, stuck to their script on how to play and it just fell apart Monday night. Gonzaga are boys. Baylor they were men. Like and it was apparent from the get go. They were a physical team. I think Gonzaga partly expected them to I don't know. Like Roll over. Oh, you're playing us. Last game was a fluke. Nothing's going to change. We're going to just come out and beat you like we have to everyone else. Baylor was fucking ready. Those guys are big boys. They play physical. They're aggressive. They're athletic. They shoot the lights out. Everything. They even rebounded. And that was like their biggest weakness all season last year was team rebounding. Or during the last year was team rebounding and they got it done. Gonzaga was uncharacteristically sloppy, right? I think they averaged 11 turnovers a game. I think it was like 11.2 or 11.8 turnovers a game. All last year, or the last year. Maybe it was just in the tournament. I'm not quite sure, but I think they had like 12 at halftime. One point, they showed those metric in the first half. It was like eight minutes ago, they had eight turnovers. They never do that. 
I remember I think they were playing oh, what game did I watch that they played? Um shit, who'd they not USC. They had zero turnovers in like the second half with ten minutes to go. It's like just uncharacteristically not them. And it was because of the constant on the ball pressure that Baylor gave them. Like Baylor looked like they could have played another 40-minute game after that game. They had so much going. They had so much energy. They were doing so much on the defensive end of the court. Gonzaga looked tired 10 minutes in. And I was like, I mean, I've watched Gonzaga a couple of times. I'm like, I was sold. Like, they're really fucking good. I knew Baylor was good too, but they came out of the gate sprinting and they kept sprinting and sprinting and sprinting. Everybody looked like they were ready to play. And I don't know, Gonzaga, I feel like they just kind of thought they would win. Like, they didn't try to. Almost like it's expected. Oh, we're kind of Gonzaga. We're good. I'm not sure. Like, that was just weird to me. Just, you know, you're down what, 18, 20, the first half. And they just never really got into the swing of things, you know. It was it was like bumper cars between 9 and 17, right? Baylor was up 17, more than 17, but like Gonzaga went on a nice little run at the end of the first half. They got it to within 10. Then all of a sudden, two sloppy plays later, 17 again in two trips. Like, it took them four minutes to get all the way up the hill and, you know, start looking the other way. And then an avalanche happened. It's like, uh, what's the guy's name in mythology who's got to push that stupid boulder up the hill only for it to fall down and he has to do it again for eternity? What's this guy's name? Tantalus? That's like literally what it was like. You have this big boulder and you have to push it up a hill. And then once you get to the top, or once you can like see over the edge of the cliff, it falls right back down. You got to do it all over again. That was the 40-minute progression of that game. They just couldn't get going again. They couldn't dig in and get stops. And when they did, they got close, and then it just blew open again. And that's just, like, they didn't take care of the ball. They shot fine. I think they were shooting above 50%. They just could not take care of the ball in Dig in on defense. That Drew Timmy guy is really good too. And uh, I saw a lot of love and hate for him online. You know, he'd like rub his boo man chew and then point at the crowd. Like, yeah, you're a tool, but he's good. He's really good. He's a sophomore too. Didn't realize Jalen Suggs was a lottery pick. He's really fucking good. But those guys on Baylor, man, ooh, they are the real deal. Uh, what's his name? Jared Butler. Is it Jared Butler? Something to the J. Butler. I know it's his last name. He's really good. Um, I like that Meyer or Mayer kid. The mullet. Oh, he, that's sick hair. Um, I mean, Gonzaga had every opportunity to get back into that game, too. You had all three of the big guys in foul trouble. Um, what's. Uh, Flo Thamba, 
Um, I can't say the other guy's name. I'm not even going to try. I'm sorry. And then uh, Mark Vidal, the role guy. I mean, they were all in foul trouble. And then you do shoot the free throws. You made a good chunk of them, but you missed the worst ones all at the worst time you could have. Like, um, they're down... They're down like 11 or 10. And they do a clear path for it. Um, They call it a flagrant in college now, a flagrant foul. But it's like a clear path foul in the NBA, right? Um, Suggs shoots his two free throws. He misses one of them. They get the ball back. They get fouled. That guy misses both of their free throws. Um... Gets fouled again the next trip, and he misses the front end of a one and one. And all of a sudden, they give up three point, like three baskets in a row. It's like you could have gotten that to within four, and then that's a totally different game. Like, I don't know. It, it was just weird to see the most dominant team that we remember in recent years just flat out get beat. Like, and I brought up Kentucky earlier. That was the thing about that Wisconsin-Kentucky game. That was competitive the whole time. Like, Wisconsin didn't, you know, out, you know, didn't pound the shit out of Kentucky. I mean, how could they? Team full of lottery picks and a white guy central out of Wisconsin. But Wisconsin beat them. But it's not like it was a dominant performance by any stretch of the imagination. I think the final score was like 67 to 59 or something. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it wasn't a 20-point beating. Gonzaga just got outplayed. And, I mean, the game was a little disappointing, but it's college basketball. It's the best. It's fun. Uh, if, if you don't like college basketball, I don't... I, don't, I can see the regular season. But if you don't tune into the games a little bit for March, like, it's March. Like, that's what it's all about. Doesn't get better than hoops and... Doesn't get better than hoops in March. But, um, okay. That's enough of me rambling on about basketball. Let's talk a little Deshaun Watson because this story is taking another very strange turn. Um, on SportsCenter now, I can't find it. Oh, let's just type, like, click his name. Is that going to work? Probably not. I'll just use the old Google machine. Um, Deshaun Watson news updates. Love reading like that, or talking like that. Okay. Um, yeah, okay, so Deshaun Watson... As I have mentioned on previous show, maybe even one before that, he's got himself in a little bit of hot water, of course. Now, 22 cases have been filed against him. It has gotten that high to as 22. Differences this time is somebody came forward and stood behind her allegations. It's good somebody's being courageous about it. Because now we can actually proceed with getting to the bottom of this, right? Um, I was under the impression that this was a hit piece at first. And it still very well could be, right? 
I mean, the first thing that uh, they went for is um, like $100,000 of hush money before, you know, this kind of spun out of control. Now, I'm not trying to say that nothing happened, but a lot of times in civil court, there is no, without a reasonable doubt, beyond a reasonable doubt, right? That's saved for the criminal court, you know, a trial from your peers. We must prove you guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. That's not the case in civil court. That's why settlements happen out of criminal court. If you can't prove something, well, maybe we can settle it this way. Okay, that's one thing. But when all these started coming out, one after another, after another, after another, after another. And after the recent trade talks that happened between, well, not trade talks, I should say. I should say free agency, or the, the whole fucking team situation, right? That's all not going your way. You can't get anything from him because you made it clear you don't want him anymore. Or he doesn't want to play for you. That totally ruins your trade value because it's like, well... He ain't going to play for you, so we're going to take advantage of you in this trade. Could it feasibly be that, you know, this hotshot lawyer and, you know, GM, or what's the guy's fucking name, Jack Easterby, or the ownership of the team went forward with cooking something up and making this... A reality? Yeah, it's 100% feasible. But you can't not go through with it. You gotta see if it actually is true. But now this makes it look like there may be more to it than what I at least had originally thought. Like this, all these all happened at massage parlors or spas. And, I mean, I don't know. It's like, it's hard. These kind of cases are hard, especially with athletes, because athletes are typically your, not always, but your high-profile athletes are always the guys that are, like, super active in the community. And, you know, they're charitable with their time, their money, things like that. Especially in Houston. He was very respected in Houston. It's like, I don't know. But then you hear more and more details come out. And you're like, ah, you just want to believe him, right? You want to believe that like this is all cooked up. And it's all not true. And it's defamation. And they're just trying to, you know, make him look bad. I mean, you don't hope that. I mean, it shouldn't happen. But you don't want other... You don't want them to be telling the truth and he, you know, abused 22 people. That would be really bad. It'd be even worse. But it's like, ah, oh, come on. And then, you know, something like this comes out and you're just like, God damn it, of course. Right? But um, that's one component of it. It's getting worse. I'm assuming if one person comes forward, others may. And then um, Nike... And, um, what's the other one? Beats by Dre. Um, you know, took monetary action against Deshaun Watson with 
his sponsorship. Nike suspended their deal and Beats by Dre ended it over these sexual misconduct allegations. Now, this is a way you really get to somebody is you take away the money part of it, right? Money is so important because like Watson has enough money to just make these go away. He can settle it out of court, okay? I don't need my character defamed anymore. Even if, regardless of whether they're true or not. But, um, I shouldn't say regardless of whether they're true or not. Regard, like, depending on the extent of the truth of these allegations, right? Um, cutting off his sponsorships, that's a whole nother game. I mean, Nike's a big company. Beats by Dre isn't anything to scoff at either. But, Nike's a big deal really big deal um nike has suspended its endorsement arrangement with sean watson becoming the first major sponsor to publicly distance itself from the houston texans quarterback in the wake of sexual misconduct and assault allegations levied against him they're deeply concerned by the disturbing allegations and has suspended its relationship with watson we will continue to closely monitor the situation hours later the headphone company beats by dr dre ended its partnership with watson and he's been a partner them for four years. Now I'm assuming with the Nike one, it's suspended because um, if it turns out to be untrue, they may resume that. But if it is true, they're taking the steps to you know wash their hands of this, which I don't blame them. But I mean, there's already starting to be some real serious ramifications of, because of this, and I mean, this should be taken seriously. But like I said earlier and I will reiterate it would be a real damn shame if all of this turned out to be untrue but that's enough of that um I'm just trying to see some of the headlines here the sports I mean there's really not much going else much else going on elsewhere I mean coaching changes oh some trades trying to think um oh darnold is (laughs) sam darnold got traded to the carolina panthers for a couple picks i mean it looks like the jets are probably going to take justin fields or the o-lineman from oregon i'm not i don't remember his name but i think he's a left tackle left guard something like that he's really good though um darnold stinks (laughs) That was a really bad take by me. A couple of years ago, I was talking with my buddies, and you know he was in that draft class where uh, Baker won the Heisman, and it was um, Baker, Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, and um, who's the other guy? Is it Tua Tagovailoa? Uh, was it Tua in that class? I might be jumping it a year. Uh, I'm trying to think. Lamar, Baker, Rosen, Darnold. And maybe it was Tua. Um, yeah. No, it couldn't have been fucking Tua. Um, 
I gotta look. I'm sorry. This is extremely bad radio, but I need to look. Um, load internet. Um, Josh Allen. There you go. That's who the other guy was. I'm like, no, it's not Tua. Tua was the year after. Um, yeah, Baker Mayfield was first. Sam Darnold was third. Josh Allen was seventh. Josh Rosen was 10th, and Lamar Jackson was 32nd. Okay. I remember saying the worst take of all time that Sam Darnold had the most potential in this draft class because of the way he played the game, right? God, was I wrong. He stinks. He's the second worst in this class. He's Rosen, I don't even think he's on the roster. If he is, he's so far... Buried into the depth chart that he's not going to see the field for a while. But, oh, man, that was a bad take. But he traded. He got traded to the Panthers for a couple of picks to the Jets. I mean, I guess. I thought Teddy Two Gloves was your guy. But maybe not. I don't know. And uh, this got me thinking about something today earlier, too. And uh, I was talking about it with a coworker. Tanking in sports tanking it's a delicate art you can't make it so egregious that you're obviously like you know like the Jets did it's obvious they're tanking but I mean I guess that's a feasible lapse of judgment to fire your coach after a cover zero blitz when you're winning the game on a third and long last play of the game it's obvious they're tanking, but like you have to remain competitive while doing so. And the same thing with the Sixers when they were getting all those draft picks like Embiid and Simmons and all yada yada, right? Teams are really bad at embracing it, right? Look at the Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks, NBA. They just traded for Lou Williams the other day. Lou Williams is a pretty good player. Now, I think this example is a little bit more of the Clippers players wanting to leave the Clippers. Is it because of the coach? Is it because of Ty Lue? I think it's Ty Lue there. Is it because of Ty Lue or Steve Ballmer? Or what's the deal there? Ty Lue's a Lakers coach. What am I thinking? I don't Doc no, Doc Rivers left. He got yeah, he left. What? Uh Jake, you're <coughs> stay in your lane. You're not talking. Stay in your lane. But um <coughs> excuse me. Um Atlanta's been bad for a really long time. It's been a very long time since they've been good. Just embrace being bad. Why are you making moves that make your team better but don't get you anywhere further, right? Like say they were playing an eighty two game schedule this year. The Hawks are still going to win 30 games. Like, let's look right now. How many games they actually won this season? And I'm probably going to sound like an idiot when it says they have a lot of wins. They're 27 and 24. They're actually above 500. They're still not going to get anywhere. Are they a contender out? Maybe. I mean, I don't really think so, though. Like, Maybe this was a bad example, too. But... Why are you trading for 
you're going to get a mid-round draft pick. Why are you trying to get a few spots higher in the seedings that maybe you can squeak in the playoffs and lose in the first round? Like, the Hawks aren't that good. Trey Young's really good. Lou Williams is a good addition. They've got a few other guys who can play, but they're not going anywhere. They're nothing special. And like I said, this is probably a bad example because they play so many games in basketball. But football, the parity is really obvious. Like, just be bad. The Panthers, I think they won five games last year, six games. Why are you... Take your chances on somebody else. I mean, if Teddy's not the guy, Darnold certainly isn't. Look at the Falcons. They went to the Super Bowl and they've been sh- like practically shit ever since. Why are you trying to win these games? Like, why are you winning these games late in the season that don't mean anything? Like, those are the games you lose. You don't lose the game to, you know conference opponent week three when you don't know what's going to happen yet don't lose those lose the ones you shouldn't win the games you should lose the games you shouldn't uh there's plenty of other teams like that like the lions finally fixed their situation or at least they're trying to they embraced it right the bears are going to be in a similar position in a few years they're doing anything but embracing it like the bad teams just need to lose And you just see so much of that. It's like they spend eternity in limbo, right? And they're never going anywhere. Like, the Browns have been historically bad for a long time. But they weren't that bad. They were like the 4-6, to 7 win team. Um... The Eagles minus the... Well, no, that's not true. The Eagles have been pretty good. The Bills up until recently. Minus the 80s and 90s. You know, early 90s. The Bills have always been like that limbo team. Like, they just kind of... They're stuck. It's like purgatory. They're just never good enough to get anywhere, but not not bad enough to get anything. And I wish, like, for other teams' sake... That they would just embrace that, right? But I mean, that's really not... There's really not much going on. I'm just gambling too much and drinking too much and having too much swallow fun, right? But um, let me just peruse headlines one more time. I was not very prepared for this show, but like I said, it's really hard to talk about... I don't want to talk about politics. I don't want to talk about Joe's infrastructure plan. I mean, what qualifies as infrastructure? Last time I checked, it was like roads and bridges and airports and tunnels, not um, all the other nonsense that gets lumped in there. But, I mean, that's pretty normal, I guess. Um, Masters is this weekend. There you go. It was Masters weekend. I don't even know who I like. I don't like DJ to win again feel like the back-to-back champs don't really happen anymore. Um, there's some long shots, too. I'd like have a chance, I think. I was looking at the odds. I like Morikawa. I like Spieth. He's not really an outside chance anymore because he played pretty well tournament last week, and he won. It was like his first win in four years. 
head case, but it's nice to see him back. He's really fucking good. Um, Justin Thomas. Um, John Rahm just had his kid. That would be a really cool story if, you know, new dad wins Masters and has kid in the same week. That would be really something. But, um, I don't know. I haven't really watched a ton of golf yet. Um, Bryson is not gonna, not gonna, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Bryson. Like, he's such a tool. He's kind of insufferable, but, like, he's good for golf, too. It's like, it's like annoying, but it's like, damn, shucks. Can't hate him, right? I don't know. That commercial, he does this one commercial where he's, like, working out in the garage, and it's like, oh, it's so fucking cringy. But, he's good for the game, that's for sure. Um... Weather's been nice. I've been fucking playing golf, too. Shot an 85 on Saturday. That's not very good. I stink. (laughs) But I got these new Maverick Pros. Oh, man, they're blades. So, like, I'm getting used to them. I'm learning how to swing them better. It's like, oh, new irons. I can't wait to get new wedges. And I'm gradually replacing the golf set. But uh, I'm not going to waste your time anymore. (laughs) You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at jakeswinski8, at J-A-K-E-S-A-W-I-N-S-K-I-8. Have a good week, guys, and talk to you next time. Peace.